millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From the home of time. It is now quite a day for local sport from your local team. This is Charlton Live. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his own sweet song. Wake up, wake up, you sleepy head, get up, get up, get out of the bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, love and be happy. What if I be blue now? I'm walking through fields of flowers. Come on, Josh Morris, you've got to play nice. You can't be doing that twice in three minutes. That is not cricket. Uh, good evening to you and welcome to Chat Live here on Maritime Radio. My name is uh, Louis Mendes. As uh, on tonight's show, we're going to look back at yesterday's defeat at Scunthorpe United. And joining me in the studio to do just that is uh, Mr. Lewis Cat. How are you doing, Lewis? Yes, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, you didn't go yesterday, but you, I didn't go yesterday. You followed, followed, and disappointed. Followed from afar and gutted. Gutted. Uh, another man who also didn't go yesterday, but is kind enough to join me in the studio this evening is Nathan Muller. How are you doing, Nathan? Living the dream, mate. I was in the pub. You're in the pub, yeah. Yep, as per usual. As per usual, you are a drunk man more often than not. <laughs> uh, also on tonight's show. Uh, we will look back at yesterday's uh, defeat at Scunthorpe. Uh, we're going to hear the highlights of that. We're also going to hear um, Carl Robinson interviewing me, uh, and then I'll try to interview him back <laughs> after the game. Uh, we've got some great stuff lined up for the second half of the show as well. We're going to hear from uh, Simon Webster, the captain uh, of the club at the time uh, that we returned to the Valley in 1992. He was uh, here at the Valley earlier today 
uh, taken some photos for the anniversary kit launch, which is coming uh, at some point later on during the week. Now, I wasn't here, but one of the club guys uh, managed to grab an interview for us. So we're going to hear from Simon Webster. Uh, we're also going to hear from Paul Breen, who's an author uh, of the Cholton Men and the Bones of a Season 2 Cholton-related books. He came in uh, to the studio about an hour ago to uh, chat to me about his two books and other books as well, Cholton-related books he fought. Uh, that fans might like the idea of as a Christmas present. And finally, of course, you can't forget, yesterday was the 250th Cholton appearance of an absolute legend, our, our fullback, our captain at the moment, Chris Solly. Uh, so here's our player in focus this week. You would have seen we tweeted out about an hour ago uh, a, a tweet with his picture on. If you want to reply to that, let us know your favourite memories of Chris Solly uh, in his 250 appearances for the club thus far. But now, just very quickly, before we hear the highlights, Lewis... Uh, a defeat on the road. I so say you weren't there, but you you listened and you read you read what happened, and so you know roughly what happened. I mean, considering I felt we played pretty well, what can you take from this game? Um, well, to me, it sounds like we put in a pretty spirited display away from home against a very strong Scunthorpe side, um, and just undone by two moments of individual quality from Josh Morris. So, of course, it's it's hard to take the defeat, um, but. I don't think you could you could complain about how how Charlton played. I think Carl Robinson probably puts it across in his interview that he was he couldn't have asked his players to do any more apart from maybe stick the ball in the back of the net. Mm. Um, so we had we had our own chances. I suppose it's just being clinical, but yeah, it was just two moments of absolute quality, wasn't yeah. it? From, from and Josh Morris. We know we're not going to win every game this season, Nathan. So mm. it's it's our first defeat in ten league games. We're not counting the checker trade. Mm. Um, so you know <laughs> the wheels haven't just suddenly come off, have they? Especially if you consider that performance we put in, particularly in the first <laughs> half, where you know we were solid and we were creating chances. Yeah, that's what Lou said. You know they're a good side. Um, we had we had plenty of chances in um, in the game, and let's not forget we were missing a fair few players. Um, so to put a put in a performance where uh, that we did yesterday, I, I think it bodes well. Especially you know no Reevesy, no Clarkey. Um, obviously Marsh is still not hundred percent, but you know I think it bodes well. But like you said, I think it should, maybe it will just bring us down to earth a little bit. We don't get too carried away with it. So right, well let's have a listen to the highlights of uh, yesterday's game from uh, Valley Pass up at Glanford Park. It was Terry Smith uh, and it was club journalist George Jones. Reverse flick, but it was read by Ojo. Who's in the centre circle and will go right, but that'll be picked off by De Silva. De Silva on a run now on this left-hand side. Lovely cut back inside to Ricky Holmes. Holmes has got Marshall to his uh, right-hand side, but he steps on it, goes back the other way to De Silva. De Silva chip ball into the box, looking for McGuinness. Oh, it's just over his head. Marshall with the attempted shot from the right-hand side of the six-yard box, but it goes wide. On the Charlton left-hand side, swung across. It's uh, headed away by McGuinness, but it only goes to Clark. Clark inside. That's a lovely great tackle. Grabbed by Ricky Holmes and he's gone past Clark as well. He tried to bring him down, but Clark Holmes is still on it. Lovely ball into Marshall. He's into the penalty box. Marshall takes the shot. Saved by the keeper. It goes just wide right of the post. And Charlton will have a corner. Conza, Conza inside and back to Amos. Use the keeper Amos to find Bauer. Bauer further left to Nabisar. He's got space to run into Nabisar. Instead goes for the early switch looking for Marshall, but uh, it's read by Burgess. But the loose ball's picked up by Forster Kasky. Finds Ricky Holmes, edge of the penalty area, chip ball, looking for McGuinness. The header and tipped onto the post by the keeper. What a save. What a great save that was by Jilks to stop Charlton taking the lead. And now Scunthorpe trying to play it out of defence. Unbelievable save there. Now back to McArdle. Brilliant, brilliant save by um, Matt Jilks. Great cross from Ricky Holmes towards the far post. And Josh did everything right, headed it the way it came. 
and going the wrong way. He managed to get his fingertips to it and, and knock it onto post. But here we come again. Cheltenham won it back in centre midfield. Rick Holmes with the shot. Oh, and it's turned left of the post by Jilks again. Two good saves in a matter of seconds. And Charlton on the ascendancy. It's not going to reach him, I don't think. Bishop will head it forward for Scunthorpe. Finds Madden on the near touch on this touchline on the Charlton left. Swings it into the box, and it's a dangerous one. It's a header. Oh, what a save from Ben Amos. Cons are beaten to it. I'm trying to see who that was. Is that Hopper? It's Hopper, I think. Got his head to it. Looked like it was going into the top corner. And Ben Amos snaked the right hand out to tip it over the bar. Mr. Silver does well to ride the challenge. And that's the last action of this first half. So oh, Morris, who's, uh, yeah. they didn't announce that at all, did they? Josh Morris has come on for Scunthorpe. Just and a long ragged ball for Pigs. Holmes in the penalty box. He brings it down and slams it against uh, Amos. I thought he might have handballed that in the, uh, in the control of that. But he got away with it. And then the shot was blocked away by Amos. Crossfield ball to pick out De Silva on the left-hand side. De Silva forward up to McGuinness, edge of the penalty area, looking to turn his man, does so, takes a shot, oh, oh just over the bar. The first shot in anger in the second half is the Addicts. McGuinness and uh, now coming back, that means everybody in a white shirt is behind the ball and on the edge of the Charlton penalty area. Referee marks the, uh, the position of the wall, McGuinness is in it, as is Cashy. Hopper also standing in the wall now as uh, Adelaide and Morris over this. It's Morris with a left foot effort and it's into the right hand corner. And on 15 minutes, Scunthorpe have the lead. Really good free kick there from Morris. I don't think Amos could have done anything about that. Put it over the wall with his left foot and right into the top corner. Got uh, it all to do now to get back Hopper into the game. Turns. Morris Robert turns uh, Cashin and takes the shot. Oh, it's a good shot as well. Right in the top left-hand corner on this occasion. And Scunthorpe are 2-0 up. Two absolute wonder goals there for Morris. One with his left foot, one with his right foot. That one there came in from the left and he whipped it into the top corner. Again, no chance for Ben Amos. And Charlton from being the better side for the opening hour are now 2-0 down. In, the matter of, in a matter of minutes. Two worldies from Morris. Uh, I suppose if you're going to be ultra-critical, going to say that he turned uh, both Holmes and Cashy a little too easy for, uh, for Charlton's liking, but once he got into that position, unleashed a right-foot shot, which again, Amos trying to get across to it with his left hand, couldn't get anywhere near it, and it nestled into the top left-hand corner, cleared away by Crofts. And that is the final whistle. And it's finished here at Glanford Park. 2-0 to the, to the hosts. So there we go, the highlights of uh, yesterday's defeat uh, in the end at Scunthorpe United. And sometimes you just have to put your hands up and say, Josh Morris has pulled two absolute weldies out of the bag there. And, and I mean, in, in what was uh, a tight game where we were creating the better chances and Scunthorpe weren't really having chances, it was going to take something special like that to, to open us up, and he did it twice in a minute, having just come off the bench because he'd been injured recently. That's not fair, is it? Well, no, I mean... <laughs> that's, officially, that's cheating. But saying that, well, I mean, what the amount of times that Ricky's done it, maybe. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah, what everyone's saying, isn't it? Yeah, yeah Ricky's to, done it plenty of times. I mean, you've, got just, you've just got to hold your hands up and say just they were... I mean, that second one was just unbelievable. And, and like Robbo said, it was on his right foot. I never mm. really had a, knew he had a right foot either, but he was. I was... A, I mean, sculpture, but yeah. um, no, like I said earlier, it's, 
even though we lost the game, we still, like you said, we created loads of chances and stuff. So I'm not that sort of downbeat about it. I mean, if we if we if that was against Plymouth, then obviously it's a bit different. But they're a good side and they're unbeaten in seven, obviously now. But um, yeah, disappointing. But yeah, two absolute weldies. But mm. couldn't really do much about them, can you? Yeah, really? it's funny actually because when when Carl Robertson was coming out to do the interviews at Pitchside, was exactly the same time that Morris was coming out to. He was going to go up yeah. to the radio bit to speak to the local BBC radio and. Uh, Robinson knew knew Morris from when he was a coach at Blackburn. He was on the books at Blackburn when he was younger, and uh, cleaning up the language slightly. Robinson said, "I never know you could do that when you're right foot and stuff like that." It was quite funny. Um, and obviously, the big news at the start of, of the game was uh, it was as expected. Reeves wasn't there. Now, some people were implying, well, you know, they're thinking that Carl and Ahern Grant will come into the middle. Now, instead, uh, Carl decided to bring Patrick Bauer back in, push Naby Sarr out to left back, and push De Silva. Uh, up to the sort of left attacking midfield. Now that's not not something I, don't, I can't remember seeing Jay playing in that position for us before. Um, but you know, if you think of the, the top, the sort of player he is, he is nippy. He can run with the ball. Um, you'd expect him to. He would be all right there, and he did. He did do quite well there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's always been good uh, going forwards. He has quite a good partnership with with Ricky Holmes on that side on the overlap, and he can deliver a good ball in. So it it does make sense if we're lacking the bodies there and we can use him and, and Navi seems to be able to slot in anywhere across the back four so um, it was quite a good change because I'm not sure with Carl I know if, he, if he'd be ready for the start I think he, may, he looked quite good when he came on on Tuesday hmm, um, but, but I'm not sure if, a, if a, a game like that from the start is maybe a bit too much for him if he's just that sort of off the bench impact player, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not too sold on yeah. on Carlin anyway. So I was quite happy to see Jade Silva push forward. And it's frustrating though, of course, with Ben Reeves. Now he seems to be a player who um, has certainly been struggling to reach full fitness since, since he's come here. Didn't have his pre-season, but I think it's, it's happened at clubs before where perhaps doesn't quite get the run of games that he needs. And every now and then he picks up a little something, and that seems to be the case so far. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even the short stint he's had in the side with us so far, he's managed to bag. Uh, a decent amount of goals so you can only you can only hope and see what he'd be like when when he's got a full season under him or if he can get a good run of games but he didn't have a pre-season so he's going to be behind the others fitness wise and like Carl said he probably shouldn't have played him Tuesday but he he's that kind of player who's determined and wants wants to get in the side but hopefully he's not out for too long um, we can get him back in the in the side soon along with Billy Clark we miss Billy Clark actually I like <laughs> I do like Billy Clark. Yeah, so just a couple of injuries we've got to cope with as well. Don't forget, by the way, if you want to have your sound on yesterday's game, you can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk uh, or you can tweet us at Charlton Live, or you can head over to the Charlton Live forum. There's a thread on there uh, for tonight's show. Uh, I mean, we started off... I mean, if you look at our results so far away from home this season, I, I, I worked it out for top half and then I looked down the table and actually worked out it, it works for the top 19 because the only, the only two we'd lost before that yesterday was Gillingham uh, and Plymouth away from home. So, <laughs> Our record, are, but if you if you look at the, the teams we played in the top half uh, away from home, we played four, one, three, uh, loss uh, and drawn one even. So you know we, we're not afraid to go to teams and become difficult to beat and look very good on the counter attack. And that was certainly how we we started up. Yes, I and mean, we did have the first chance where De Silva had broke broken down the left and, and put a crossover to the far post where Marshall had bombed forward, but didn't really have time to sort of adjust himself for his. Uh, uh, for for a volley, but then we we had a huge chance on 14 minutes, a superb break. We heard it there in the highlights from, from Ricky Holmes and slipped it through to Mark Marshall, who's gone through one on one. Now I don't know if you saw it on the highlights, Nathan, but in mm. my opinion, may, maybe the, this took ever so slightly too long to make his decision as to which way he was going. And by the time he finally took his shot, Gilks, the goalkeeper, was right on top of him. But that's a couple that's a couple of one on ones now mm. we've seen we've seen Marshall miss in, in the last few weeks, and just that sort of thing that perhaps if he was slightly further ahead into his season or had that preseason behind him, we'd expect him to be putting those in the back of the net yeah no that's what I was just about to mention the one on um, 
on Tuesday against Watchdale, he had something similar when he was on his weaker side. But yeah, I think give it another five, six games, he'd probably put it away. But he's he's sort of let him him go away with him and obviously the keepers come out. But you notice as soon as he went down as well, I think it was Kasky that came over and sort of picked him up to make sure his head didn't go down because it's easy for him to start dwelling on it um, but he's getting himself in the position so that's the main thing he's still we're still getting in those positions like we've just got to be a bit more ruthless which I know is one of uh, Robbo's buzzwords but um, yeah it was, just, it was disappointing but like I said we're, we're still we're still generating chance if we're going away from home and not creating anything I'd be slightly more worried but I think playing away from home suits us better because pe- teams aren't going to just sit back on their own box at home and try and let us break us down break them down so and obviously that proves well for our sort of counter-attacking but uh it wasn't to be yesterday but um unfortunately mm. but they're a good side so yeah now we saw um uh an unbelievable save from matt gilks when the, the cross came over to the to the near side and, and mcginnis was there now i was mcginnis sort of met the header he did everything right headed it down into the ground it seemed to go through the goalkeeper like it's all i thought it'd gone under his arm but he just got fingertips onto it uh, and, and pushed it onto the post, and even even seconds later after that, I think we saw Ricky Holmes with a drive, which, which he tipped to turn around the post. So, it, it, you know, we are going to be ultra tri- critical after a game where we've lost, even though we did play well. Is you're going to say, you know, these chan- chances, chances, chances? We've said it so many times over over this season. There's been a couple of games where if, if we stick that chance away that, that we miss, and we, you know, we've seen it so many times this season. Um, you know, we, oh, am I being too harsh there? Is is it unlucky if you come up against a keeper that's in inspired form? Um, I don't know. I mean, we've had it. We had the same on on Tuesday. You know, that wasn't really against a keeper with a that's in sensational form. He let one go through him, didn't he? Drop the ball, and that's how we scored. And yeah, Carlin had the ball straight at him. So I don't think it's too harsh. I think we do, like Nathan says, we do need to be more ruthless in front of goal, and we do need to take our chances better. But I'm not too downbeat about the defeat yesterday, although it's not great in terms of the table. We have still got the two games in hand over Scunthorpe. So as long as we make the most of that. Hopefully it will it will push us back up there. So we got to half time with, with the score at nil nil at the start of the second half. I mean that's that's when they bought um, Morris on. So that's when uh, you, you're starting to worry because I mean he he was the danger. We were talking about him in the car on the way up. So apparently he's not playing. Uh, he, he, we know he's a danger man. He's got a hat full of goals from midfield last season as well. But he came on at half time. They didn't even do a pit, uh, an announcement on the side of the pitch. So I didn't even notice till a couple of minutes in. I thought they're, they're being sneaky here. They're trying to get, <laughs> yeah, get away with one. Secret. But um, uh, he came on, and we even had a couple of a, sort of a half chance there. McGuinness again, a really nice turn. There was a couple of times yesterday we had nice turns on the box and ended up firing off just off target. But then, so, so they have this free kicks just beyond the hour mark now, and we've all seen it. I mean, I, I, you don't, I haven't seen many League One players who can curl the ball that well on their good foot, which was the left foot mm-hmm. for the first goal. Um, I told you that there's not much more. I mean, a couple of people said there's only a couple of people in the wall. I mean, do, do you think that has a major effect on it? Um, I don't. I mean, if, if, you, if you see where the position of the ball is, so if you're Amos, you'll know he's a left left footer. So it's very unlikely he's going to curl it where he was going to, which he obviously did, or to curl it the other way. Because if it's a right foot, he probably probably would have had a, a couple more people in the wall. I think, but. I, I, I wouldn't have blamed it on the wall. I just mm. think it's you've just got to say it was a great, great yeah, you can't really. it's a great strike. I mean, both both of, both of the strikes you had looked like they were going to hit the corner flag before they curled back in. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> was it windy up there? Is that yeah, it, was? it was as yeah. well. It's incredible. <laughs> they the game off. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was incredible technique to, to, to get yeah. the ball to, to bend around the keeper there, and then the second one only came two minutes later, and then absolutely shell shocked. But again, it's a great goal. I mean, 
again, if you're being ultra critical, some people say, well, you, you sort of let him turn outside the area. But generally, I think as long as you're not letting people into the area, you're yeah. sort of quite happy to let him run about outside and just try and keep reasonably tight. But yeah, he, I don't think anyone yeah. could have seen that. Mm. Flying top it, it, corner. Yeah, he only, need, he only needed half a yard. And like you say, Lewis, I mean, he curled it right foot again in off the post. Mm. And again, Amos had absolutely no chance. No, no chance at all. Um, you've got, you got to applaud it, haven't you? It's, it's annoying. Um, but it's not It's not like we've gone up there and we've, we've you know, we've, we've played badly or we've we've not put in a performance. We've, we've gone up there and given it a go against one of the strongest sides in the league. And unfortunately, the only thing we've been undone by is two moments mm. of magic. And I mean, how many times have teams come away from the Valley this season or, or playing us at their own grounds and gone, you know what, that would have been a tight game if it wasn't for Ricky Holmes just knocking one in from 35 exactly, yards. I mean, yeah. think about the Wimbledon game here a couple of weeks ago. It was a nil-nil game until Ricky Holmes curled that free kick in. It's, you know, we've dished out that medicine enough times. Sometimes you've got to take a, a taste of your own. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, you know, it, it, like I said earlier, maybe it'll just keep us sort of level, level-headed and that we obviously strive to win Tuesday even more now because we know sometimes it you won't get the points that you feel that you've deserved. But yeah, it's not it's not the end of the world. I think if we win on Tuesday, you know, I think it'll obviously soon be for, be forgotten. But you know, we didn't go up there and get battered five 0 or anything. So I don't think a lot of people uh, would grumble. At it. Yeah, it's annoying, but like we've said all through, throughout the show so far, they're just. You can't really, you can't do much about it. Really, he's got well, he's got two goals for goal of the month, that, so he's going to win it. Yeah. Think, surely, it's, it's not like we're coming away no. from. If we're coming away from a performance and we haven't made those chances in the first half, and, exactly. and we hadn't done anything mm. other than just conceded two, then then we'll probably come on here and grumble a bit yeah. more. But you know, you can sometimes separate the result from the performance and. The, take that result in context of the run we're on and the run we've been on recently and you think right you know let's not panic we've lost games a couple of games before this season and the right way to react to that is what we need to do now if you think uh, the reaction to the defeat of Plymouth I think we went and won like the next five Mm. and if we can if we can start putting another run together like like we've had you know if we can go if we can now from now go another five six games unbeaten Mm. get that run going again then we'll still be in a very healthy position we're only we're six points off the top two with a game in hand exactly and I think that's the that's the thing is that we've played so well this season and the feel around the place is different so if we'd have come out of the result you know from yesterday last year we'd probably be sat here moaning about it but the way we actually have played this season and the togetherness in the squad and everything it's just we're in a good position so I wouldn't I wouldn't get too down about yesterday I think it's going to Tuesday and, and then we've got a bit of a break from the league so it maybe gives us a chance to get some players back fit and then Hit the Christmas fixture list and see how we go. Yeah, I mean, after the uh, after the second goal, there was. I mean, I, I do think we then actually we were quite on top again. I mean, Scunthorpe were very happy just to stick men behind the ball. Mm. They even bought an Andrew Cross uh, to see the game out, which is the ultimate <laughs> insult. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but um, Big Nose was injured, wasn't he? Yeah, Big Nose apparently was. He was spotted in a moon boot as well. Like so whatever he's done is quite nasty. And Simon Church was there as well, but I didn't get to see him and. Uh, touch him sadly um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we, yeah we did we did force a few corners after that but like I say nothing really happened the game uh, did, did peter out in the end I mean that's when you do look to the bench like who are we bringing off the bench to try and yeah. change things it was Carlin who came on and then even later on it was Rico Hackett Fairchild I mean you know Rico we, we haven't seen much of you know enough of to, to have a, a real opinion on just yet I mean Carlin like you say did quite well when he came on a Tuesday and he didn't do badly I say but he's not he's, he's not the sort of player like I mean they were lucky that they had Morris to bring off the bench he's obviously obviously would have started if he was fully fit but you know it, it, we didn't really have those options on the bench to change the game because we you know we have, we were in a slight injury crisis now I mean mm. if you think about that if there was one position 
where we at the start of the season we said, oh, we could probably cope with injuries there. That is that free behind the strikers. So yeah. we have lost Reeves and we have lost Clark recently. It's, you know, the two positions where we've decided we, we definitely can't lose anyone to injury now. If you look at defensive midfield, so Cashy and, Forst- and uh, Forster-Kasky, they've survived so far. Yeah. And McGuinness up top, they've survived so far. So Tough we've word. been reasonably <laughs> lucky with our injuries, but it, it has just maybe caught up with us slightly in terms of the bench, I guess, at the moment. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at it as well. We, we do rely on that three a lot you know Ricky Holmes we rely on him to to put in 90 minutes every week and you, that fatigue of playing Saturday Tuesday we've been lucky with him so far losing Fosu when he was when he's been on fire again that's that's been difficult Clark I think we really miss Clark because he's he's that sort of aggressive box to box guy isn't he? he's everywhere Clark and I, we really do miss him as well um, and like you said Reeves he's, he's come in he's been scoring goals and we know he's proven at this level so He's not hit full speed yet either, and now Marshall's coming back in. That's such a strong set of players, so to be sort of three down is is annoying. But once we get them all back fit, it will be it will be good. So hopefully that won't be too much longer. And the perfect chance as well. I mean, is it after a defeat you're thinking you're really hoping that there's something to tr- to come along and try and put it right as soon as possible? So hell, so we're now at home mm. on Tuesday against a you know a decent side in, in Peterborough, but it's going to be a real test. But if we can come through that with you know three points, and that'll be a real boost, and, and Saturday will be forgotten. Yeah, no, definitely. I think we I think we do definitely need to win on Tuesday because I was just looking at the fixtures and we've got Wigan and Blackburn coming up coming up away from home. In Bring December. them on. So it's going to be a tricky December. So we need to make sure these are our home our home form remains strong um but yeah they they were they seem to be um they seem to always get a i don't know i don't know i don't know when the last time they we beat them or whatever but they always seem to be like a bogey side or i could be getting it completely mm. wrong peter but last time i remember watching that was when we beat them 5-1 when, well, when Lee Martin scored. <laughs> yeah, we had a good win cracking. under Powell, I think, a 3-2 yeah. win um, off the top of my head. And we, lost, we, we lost had the 4-1 yeah. Cup win a couple of years ago yeah. as well. So, But yeah, we did lose uh, twice last season. So yeah. Carl Robinson certainly got a bone to pick with him. Uh, of course, I think I think they were his first league defeat off the top of my head, uh, possibly for Carl. But uh, we'll, we'll let him uh, worry about that. Uh, in a minute, first of all, he was worried about yesterday's game when I uh, got to speak to him after after the defeat at, um, up at Glanford Park. Now, I was really interested to find out what he made uh, of the game, but he was more interested in finding out why I had to make of the game. Carl, a defeat in the end here at Scunthorpe. You sort of were outdone by two moments of real quality. How do you think we performed today over 90 minutes? What do you think? I thought it was quite an even game. Charlton had some good chances in the first half. Yeah, we, we by far edged the chances. So... Remember, it's all about your chances that you create. Um, and our, our, our setup was perfect. They didn't have a chance. I don't recall that a chance. Uh, it's as strong as a weight performance as a, as a unit as we've probably put in all season. Um, even second half. I guess the team is dominant here um, that's third in the league. We've nullified it. And the first goal is an unbelievable. When you, when you see it back, you will not believe how much that ball's moved. And then when you see the same, you think, oh my God, that's some strike. And then you see the next one, which is ten times better. You think, what more? My players have done nothing wrong here today. My players have done nothing wrong. Um, and, and from my perspective, that's all I can ask for. Found uh, Gilks in inspired form in that first half. Denying oh, McGuinness and, what a save. and Holmes. And... What a save. And even the one who comes back over the post, Jake just stood there and it goes through what? It actually got the lad who slid in, it went through his legs. So he could have gone anywhere. But listen, you, you've, got to, you've got to just look at today and go, hang on, we play well here. And I don't think many teams have come here and done this. Well, I know that because I've seen the games. Dude, you think about a result like this and you say you'll take pride from the performance and not worry too much about the fact you've lost tonight? No, you can't. How, how can you judge players when we've, we've been out with some of our offensive players, as you well know, 
we've created two or three guilt-edged chances and they've scored between the best goals you're going to see all season against the Art Athletic. That's as simple as a, as a conclusion you're going to get. And uh, not the result you're hoping for in your 400th managerial Not about game. me, it's not about me. This is, it's not... Um, it's an improv to get that many. I felt like well, that's the best goal I've seen in the 400. <laughs> um, so in all the 400, in the 400, 399 games before that, uh, I've never seen. Do you know what? It's uh, yeah. I've been very lucky over that period of time. My family have had some difficult times and some moments where you think, "What am I doing this job for?" Um, but overall, it's I'm so very fortunate to do it. And uh, but for today, I can say. I won't see two better goals in one game against my team than what I've seen today. For the next four under the year, I don't think. <laughs> it's, a, it's a first league defeat in ten, but you've got a chance in in, in short time to, to try and put it right against yeah. Peterborough on Tuesday. Yeah, it's well. massive that we perform. I know they've lost today as well. Um, but you go and beat <coughs> Peterborough on Tuesday, and you go one point behind Scunny with another game in hand, which is Shrewsbury, which you which you win that year, you're second on points. So it shows you how tight this top six is. Very very tight. Um, if everyone began the season was looking at the way the table is sort of shaping up in, in, in how it should be in some ways uh, Blackburn obviously have got a very very good side as well so they're in the mix and we always knew listen, the, the size of the squad that they've got they've got a bigger squad than us um, and we knew they were always going to come good but we've got players that are out that are going to get back to full fitness very shortly and when they come back we're going to be fresher and better than before uh, finally it was Chris Solly's 250th appearance yeah. you don't see that too often from an academy player these days at, at a single club no and I know he could have gone once or twice just shows his dedication that he believes in playing for this football club and I can't ask any more from him he's a, he's a great captain he's a great person and I want to congratulate him on it but I'm sure he's spoke to me in Souls. I think <coughs> you have to get the same reaction from Souls. it's not about him um, it's about Charlton Athletic Carl Jada Silva um, played further forward to yeah. Nabier left back what was the thinking behind that well they're, they're right back the most offensive right back in the league we, we knew from from uh, from watching their games a lot of their goals have been through set pieces we needed to get a bit more height in there and from an offensive perspective not having the three players that you know of in Reezy, Clarkey and, uh, and Tariq we knew we were sort of scraping the battle a little bit um, but it, it worked <laughs> it was tactically today the players took on board everything we've asked I just said to them and then even Ricky Holmes said we probably won't play we'll play a lot worse than that and win and, and, and that's the sign of a good team that we, we've come to a top team and really performed to, 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 to a high level yeah, has Joe played there before on the left yeah I've seen him but before we signed him last season I went to watch him play for Chelsea and he was playing as, an, as a left winger okay. um, I, I know we can play as a tenant behind the striker um, and Naby Sarge top draw on the ball as you, as you all know so it doesn't really it gives us an extra height in, in the team it gives us a little bit more security away from home it worked like I say I don't think I can't ask any more um, I just felt with, with, with Carlo and one of the young players playing today in that wide left area, I felt it would have been a, a, a chore for them doing the defensive duties. Um, and we were almost we almost negated. We didn't mind about our left winger not getting involved. We felt our 10 would be the dominant player in the team. Um, and Ricky Holmes was, was outstanding in that first 60 minutes. Obviously, once they got the two, there was no space for us to play in behind the lines. And then we had to go with two strikers up front. But then once you start banging things forward, it becomes a lot of leave whether it drops or doesn't drop for you. Um, but listen, we go back, we're very positive with our performance and we get ourselves ready for Tuesday evening. And Mike Marshall, third league start in seven days, um, how is he feeling in terms of his service? Yeah, he's a little bit fatigued, obviously, but that's, it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, we are where we are at this moment in time. Um, but then, 
on top of that, you should have listened. You should have scored the other day. You should have scored again today. Um, we need to take them chances, and he's frustrated with himself for not doing so. Yeah, Ben Reeves, is he? Is he any update on him? On no, Tuesday? Well, he, he stretched for the ball, and as he stretched for the ball, someone just sort of pushed him, yeah. which extended his hamstring. So we're saying no, he won't be fit for Tuesday, but it's not a serious one. Listen, could have rushed him out and get him out there possibly, but we we need to. I'd rather lose him for one or two games rather than lose for six, seven, eight games. Yeah. I think that's the key message that we've got one league game now, and then the next is obviously the FA Cup, and then we go away in the. Uh, in the uh, Checker Trade Trophy so in some ways the next game after <laughs> Tuesday that we'll really get our, our, our eye on is, P- is Portsmouth obviously in that anniversary game um, at the Valley so it's um, we'll hopefully we'll have them all back for that and it's funny for me um, Esri Concert at the end was kind of involved in a few uh, pushing and shoving um, with their striker um, do you know that as well? No, good he's turned into a man Fossil on his left, the Silver's on the overlap. The Silver ball into the box, looking for McGuinness, gets his head there, but just skips off his head, in fact, and Solly will pick it up on the far side. Chip ball banging in the box, headed clear, drops to Ricky Holmes with a chance. Oh, what a cracker! Oh, Ricky Holmes, what a belter that is! Absolute stalker of a shot. Oh, I've not got a cap, but if I had a cat, I'd be kicking it all over my house tonight. No, that's not Glove Pup's midlife crisis, that song, uh, Nathan. But since uh, I'm just like, yeah, um, it might well, it might be. Grass. <laughs> Snitch. <laughs> Carl Robertson there interviewing Louis Mendes after yesterday's 2-0 uh, defeat uh, at Scunthorpe United. Uh, I wasn't expecting that at all. I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to say. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think Carl, talk, talking sense there, really. You can, you can feel frustrated after a game like that where you haven't, uh, perhaps taking your chances, but then you've been. I mean, he, he said we and we were we were sort of soaking it up. He said or something along those lines. We were like we were so like they weren't creating chances, mm. and so for it, it, it was going to have to come from. I mean, we, we've seen other away games like Bradford and stuff like that where we, you know, Rotherham, where we've um, not let other teams have many chances, big teams away from home, and that was a very similar. But because we're playing a good team, they've got a player who can can just pull that out of the bag now obviously it was uh, I, I did ask Carl about it there but he, he barely wanted to talk about it on Thursday before the game uh, he really wasn't that interested after the game when it is his 400th of the game as a as a manager of MK and, and with us his one year anniversary uh, for a 37 year old I mean he can be very proud I guess of what, what he's achieved so far but you know 400 games at his age is no mean feat yeah definitely I th- and I think really you look at it he's, he's done a job wherever he's been really and here especially he seems to have Bought like a real good sort of togetherness and feel good factor around the place. I mean, I come I come to a game now and I I feel excited to be here. Well, you know, over the last few seasons, you you can become quite sort of disengaged, can't you, with with the club and and not really. You know, you'd lose a game, you'd be like, oh, expected that. But at the moment, it's it really cares. And even if we go a goal down like Tuesday night, people get back behind the scene. There's no sort of oh booing and stuff like that. It's like come on, come on. And it's, he's brought that back, and you see the togetherness of the players on the pitch at the end of the game and the huddles and stuff like that. Regardless whether we win, lose, or draw, and I think he's been a real positive, uh, real positive person to have around the club, and it's it's good for him. It's, it's a big milestone at, at 37. So he didn't have much of a playing career, did he? Really? No, so it's non-league. Suppose, as well, yeah. yeah, if he's sort of focused on on managing at his at his age. It's, Fair play to him, yeah. Nathan. If you think uh, Carl, for whatever reason, ever has to give up the his managerial job, do you think he'd be a good sports journalist? No, no. You didn't like his <laughs> you didn't like his style of questioning. <laughs> I, don't, I felt sorry for him a little bit because you, probably, you, you were a bit stumped, I suppose. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't know what to say. Like, hang on, 
Hang on, I'm supposed to be around. doing the questions, aren't I? Yeah, well, Black Carrot will never ask me anything like that. <laughs> uh, right, let's get on to the uh, the correspondence. I asked you guys what you made of yesterday's defeat uh, up at uh, Glanford Park against Gunthorpe United. Uh, if you want to have your say, don't forget you can email our studio at chaltonlive.co.uk or you can tweet us at chaltonlive. Gamby says, I was at the game and I felt we didn't play badly. We were just beat by two worldies. My only complaint is that Roland's small squad theory uh, cost us today with the injuries we have our bench looked very weak we need an extra striker who can play on the shoulder and get in behind now obviously we know there's an extra striker who's been around the building for way over a month now in the form of Leon Bess I mean do, do you think it's important that we try we find a way to get that deal done sooner rather than later Lewis yeah I'd like to think we could get that deal over the line because he's, he's sort of a proven goal scorer at this level and like you say we've touch wood Josh has been okay so far but it only takes that one niggle to put him out for a little while I mean we had the game where we had to rest him uh, for international duty so yeah I, I think it's important would I like like us to spend some money in January and bring somebody yes but I also think Leon Best isn't a bad alternative um, I think he'd do a job maybe at least at the end of the season mm. uh, I don't think we've got anything to lose by giving him a, by giving him a shot and he scored in the friendly so why not yeah uh, right, a uh, tweet in from Reese. It says, uh, uh, another game where we've needed an impact sub. So we sub on Cag and Rico Hackett-Fairchild, who are nowhere near good enough to play in promotion-chasing side. And yet another game where McGuinness hasn't scored. That's one in nine now, which is simply dreadful. I mean, let's pick up that point first. I mean, McGuinness did come very close. Uh, he scored uh, He scored the other day, didn't he, the, from the corner against Milton Keynes. Uh, I mean, his goal-scoring record at the start of this season was was pretty good, and he, oh, generally over the course of last season, you know, had injury problems as well. But he'd go on a little run, then have a few games mm. off, and go on a little run again. I mean, Lewis, your you thoughts on Josh McGuinness? Um, he's never he's never going to be that sort of twenty, thirty goal striker a season, is he? Really, he's not, he's not going to score thirty goals. Um, but, I mean, I think he creates. No one at this I mean, level is unless, no, unless you're going to buy him for exactly. You're going to spend millions and millions of pounds. Uh, I think that he's because he's a striker. He's maybe not given enough credit for the amount he brings to a side in terms of assists and and starting play and holding up the ball. Um, he is just that big lump, and we do get a lot of goals from midfield. You know, you look you look at Ricky and Tariq. They've both got a fair amount of goals this year, and. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd like obviously I'd like him to score more, and maybe we do need that prolific striker but like you say I think it's rare to find that in this division unless you do spend the money and you go out there and buy you know who could you even get in now who who was going to come down a division well, you always, have to get someone from the championship yeah it's always it? very interesting in January in particular I mean in the form of Leon Best I mean he's a free agent I mean some mm. people say well there must be a reason why he's been a free agent this whole time as well but in t- you very rarely find strikers just waiting around you know, yeah. someone signed me. I'm I'm really good. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I've been saying that for years, but I'm nothing, a liar. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so it isn't the easiest position to find. I mean, I've I know he's only scored one in up for me, McGuinness. I mean, I thought he played really well on Tuesday. Brought other people mm. into the game. Yeah, works well with his back to really go. Well I mean, he's put through he's put through so much work on his own mm. up top. For, for club and country, I, mean, I know he doesn't play on his own for, for the country, but he, he, he doesn't get a rest. It's so no. re, it's so relentless for him. He's he's gonna have quiet spells. Well, you know, for me, if you look, you know, headed chances you expect him to score. I mean, it would have been a goal yesterday if it wasn't for an unbelievable save from Gilks, yeah. and then he had a couple of shots on the turn, which you know, you, you, on another day may have gone in. It's not his forte shooting from outside the box, but he did have a couple of efforts turned well for it. So, you know, I, I, I haven't lost faith in in Josh yet, Reese, but I know you're. You did say it's one goal in nine now. Uh, he says, the point is, or he carries on, the point is now, why have we not signed Best? He must realise we're desperate and that the youth 
aren't good enough and I just wonder well you know there's there's a number of things there does Roland think oh we don't need you know we've already got a couple of young strikers we've seen we, we, we know that's sort of seems to have been his mindset before in terms of small squad or it is best going or oh, you're desperate give me a million pounds a day you know yeah. it, it, there's plenty of there must be things going on behind the scenes that, that we don't realise uh, yet and now Reese goes Agard came on and, uh, and scored twice against us uh, that was from MK and he says Morris the same yesterday and we have no one like that uh, on our bench when was the last time we bought someone on needing a goal and that player has scored uh, because I really don't know just pay him what he wants and stop messing about with him as it's costing us more and more points whenever we need impact from the bench I mean that is the say say it is a money issue for you know whether it's Roland not wanting to spend any more money or whether it's Leon Best wanting too much money and we're not mm. willing to pay that I mean how much is the price to, to, to is it too much of a price to gamble considering you know promotion is at stake here not, I'd like to think not really. I mean, whether I think this was mentioned Thursday, whether we've been seen as a bit of a pushover of late in terms of money and contracts and longevity of contracts and wages, um, and now we've sort of we've sort of tightened the belt, and maybe buckled down a little bit. Whether they're thinking, well, hang on, this person's on this much, I'm proven at this level, why am I not on this much? Um, but I don't know. I'd like to think it isn't that. I mean, Leon Leon Best is surely you know he's been here a while. If if there were other clubs sniffing around for him, surely he'd go there and and you know get a wage for playing. But I don't know. I'd, maybe he's holding out to January. Maybe he's he's waiting to see what Hackett Fairchild and and Carlin can do. But I I'm, I agree with Reese. I think we should get the deal over the line because I think he'd bring something. Excellent stuff. Right, message on the uh, Charlton Life forum. There's a thread on there if you want to get involved in tonight's show as well. It says uh, from SD Addict from Alex. It says uh, I thought we defended well yesterday and didn't think we looked like conceding until their goal went in. We saw this both last Saturday and on Tuesday night. Conceding seems to rattle us, and I thought we looked a bit panicky. Uh, that said, panicky or not, I don't think there was anything that could be done about either goal. Perhaps giving a, away a free kick in that area was a bit sloppy, but watching it on the stream, uh, it didn't look like there was a whole lot in it. Just Morris cleverly throwing himself into a crowd of players and winning a foul. Uh, when you see the strike for the second, it starts outside the post and almost seems to move right, and then curls to the left. Now, I, can't, I have to admit, I can't remember what the free kick was given for, so I can't really comment on, the, on that. But, I mean... It, he did say he said a similar point to me. Now uh, we didn't look like we were going to concede until that happens. Like we were, we were comfortable, and you, know, you go away to a team that's above you and a, a decent team with a very good home record, have won their last five or six games. You go there and be solid, and we were. Yeah, I think we've been. I think yeah, like um, is it Reese who said it was uh, that was that was Alex? Who Alex, said. yeah. I, I, I think um, in recent games we've. I think apart from Rochdale first first sort of half an hour or whatever it was where we we weren't even game. Um, I think we we're a lot more solid this year, and these one nils that we've been having, you know, the Wimbledon's and the the Doncasters and the Bradfords and stuff, it's showing that we've got that little bit more resilience. Whereas previous years, we we probably were a bit of a pushover. Um, so yeah, I mean, defensive, and it's ju- it's just a shame that obviously the only way we were going to get broken down, like we've obviously discussed, is the wonder goal. So it's it's disappointing, but it's, it, our defending's improved so much in the last year. Um, mm. Massively, because I used to. Every time we used to concede a con- corner, like last year or the year before, well, I think we conceded way, yeah. way, way over twenty co- from yeah. corners in the season. Got relegated. Uh, that's what I mean. Mm. I used to look away because I knew what was coming. It was awful. But now I feel really comfortable. I'm comfortable with Amos. I, I, I prefer Amos than I did to do to uh, Ruddy. Or is it? The, Rudd, yeah. Rudd, funny, Rudd. yeah. Funny enough, someone asked me that yesterday, and I think yeah, I, think I, I prefer Amos. Rudd's a good goalie. Don't get me wrong, but I prefer Amos. I really do. I think he's a big old. 
unit. Mm. Uh, right, Ev James tweeted us in says, Great team spirit yesterday. No one can blame us for losing two beautiful strikes. I still believe that we're on course for success this season. January is even more crucial. I would gamble on keeping everyone until May and Tuesday uh, is a must win. So obviously I talked about you know, how, how, how much we're going to gamble on getting a, a best or a, an, another striker in, but how much do you want to gamble on keeping the likes of Esri Konza? I mean, because there'll be, yeah. say it's £5 million on the table, you know, will we see that money back in the squad? We don't know. I haven't seen a great whether deal of that we, sort of stuff. Yeah, whether we'd push for these loan backs, you know, if we could, even if we did sell him in January, if we could keep him to the end of the season. Um, I know Carl did that previously with Deli Alley, didn't he? They sold him to Tottenham but kept him for the rest of the season. So whether we could do that, that may work. If it frees up a bit of money, then that would be good. But ideally, yeah, we would like to keep everybody together because the, the team's working so well and... <coughs> Um, but you know, money talks, and we've, we haven't got a very good history of keeping hold of people, so we'll have to see what happens. But I think January is massive. I think mm. Terry touched on it a few weeks ago as well. This probably one of the most important January windows we've had for a, for a very long time because mm. it, it shows whether things have really changed. You know, if if now that we're having the positive season, we've got the manager that we like, we've got the players that we like, we're in a position that we all think, hang on, we could do something special here. Is he gonna? Is he gonna gamble and go for it, or is he gonna do exactly the same as he's done every other year and we get a couple of people in on loan or a, a couple of freebies? So we'll see. But hope, hopefully, I'm not holding my breath, but hopefully it changes. Uh, right, don't forget. Still coming up on tonight, so we're going to hear from the uh, club captain back in 1992 when we returned to the valley 25 years ago. Uh, that's Simon Webster. We're also going to hear from Paul Breen, uh, a Charlton fan and author, who's going to give us some uh, advice of uh, books that would be good Christmas presents. Uh, for Charlton fans we've also got plenty of emails still to, to go through uh, after yesterday's game quick break here though on Charlton Live in fact just before we go to that though comment on the uh, the Charlton Live forum uh, after I was interviewed by Carol uh, by uh, Carl Carol Robinson Carol. by Carl Robinson <laughs> yesterday uh, Red Chaser and then I said uh, I'm glad Carol didn't do that Red Chaser on the forum says oh come on Louis if Carol would try to interview you your response would have been quite simple of course we were good yes as, uh, as per Burnley away let's have a quick break here on Charlton Live back in 30 seconds Throw from Holmes into Solly. Solly cross ball. Foster's on the far side. Get something on it. Yes! yes! Finished off by Foster Caskey. And Charlton have the lead. Carol, a heavy defeat at Burnley today. How do you sum that one up? We were good. Charlton Live. Always good to play the classics here on uh, on Charlton Live. Now, um, we are going to do the emails. There's still plenty of you guys who've got uh, your thoughts on yesterday's game. But I thought I'd just break up uh, the correspondence with uh, a chat with a legend. Uh, not that you two aren't legends, of course, lads, but uh, I've got another, we've got another one lined up. Now, um, oh, thanks, the, mate. The, the, club, the club we're here at the Valley today uh, with both Simon Webster and Colin Walsh, the, uh, who, of course, was the, the scorer of the first goal back at the Valley in 1992, uh, because they were donning the new anniversary kit, which is going to be released. Uh, you, you're going to see the, the photos of it in the next few days. Now, uh, I couldn't get down to the Valley today, but uh, I asked Tom Rubichaud, the club's uh, head of communications, to... Uh, uh, see if he could grab a chat with one of those legends for me. So he spoke to Simon Webster, uh, who of course was the captain uh, at the time of, uh, of the return to the Valley now. And Simon was asked uh, on his opinion, of course, of the uh, anniversary kit, which will uh, well, the club will reveal in the next few days. And also his memories of playing on that special day uh, here at the Valley uh, 25 years ago. Here with Simon Webster for the kit launch for the, the new kit for the 25th anniversary. What do you, what do you make of the kit, Simon? Uh, I think it's an excellent likeness. Um, I sort of remember... 
when we first came back here it's quite quite a thin <laughs> cold kit um but we'd sort of we'd changed to sort of ribero and i think they've just sort of the likeness from hummel is is, is excellent yeah and obviously we're standing inside the valley at the moment what memories do you have from that day in 1992 i think the the overriding one is just um everyone was so pleased to get back to the home of Charlton Athletic we've been sharing the ground number one with uh, Crystal Palace and then with West Ham in the time that I'd been here um, and all the talk had been about getting back to the valley and then to finally get back it was just a, a great experience really and you're here today with, with Colin Walsh what are your memories from that when he scored in the, the seventh minute on that day yeah I mean we, we started the game very well and we scored early on and I thought it was going to go on and we were going to score two or three. Uh, but the game sort of then sort of petered out into a sort of a, a sort of very dogged game. I think Portsmouth was sort of going quite well at the time anyway. Um, so in the end, it was a good win for us. And I remember that we'd, we'd not had a, a particularly good time uh, at Upton Park before we came back here. And it sort of then kick-started our, our season again. And I think we went on a, a sort of a not losing streak of, a, of around sort of 10 games again. But we, we sort of had too many draws after the initial win back here. I think we drew about six on the spin after we, we came back here. Then we won a couple and then we just, for some reason, it, it all went a little bit sort of sour. We started, you know, losing a few. But I think on the day, the game itself sort of sort of went here, became less less significance of the result you know it was just about the day and getting back here and speaking of that day and you mentioned the goal how did you feel when when that goal went in from Colin oh it was a great moment um you know you from where I was you could sort of see it building up and when Walshie struck it I was sort of pretty much behind you know behind the strike and you could sort of see it going in so I think you know I think the the maximum crowd here was something like 8,330 something and I think everybody was off the off their seats uh, at that moment and like I say I, I thought we were going to go on and score a few more but I mean the main thing was that we won the game and You'll be here for the 25th anniversary of that game on December 9th when we take on Portsmouth how are you feeling about that game? Yeah I think it's going to be really exciting uh, I think the <laughs> the FA have done really well to get us uh, a game um, oh well, it's been very fortunate that, that Portsmouth are in our league uh, and they've been really good at getting the game on for us uh, on that or around that particular date. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I know the whole weekend has sort of been built up for a um, sort of to get a few people back here who played on the day. Uh, and then the, I think there's a dinner then the following day. Um, so I'll be shooting back from the ladies' game and uh, straight to the dinner. And 25% of the ticket revenue on that day goes to the Charlton Athletic Community Trust. You do a lot of work with them as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's excellent. I mean, every year, my boys and I, we do uh, the, the walk for the upbeats. And it's a, a great occasion. Uh, and I've, I mean, I've known Jason since, uh, uh, Jason Morgan, since the, the, uh, the Community Trust started. It wasn't a, a trust at the time. It was just a community scheme. But I think Jason started two weeks after I, I started at the football club. So I've known him, you know, for through all that time, and I think they've just done such a wonderful job, you know, uh, with all those sort of things, with the upbeats and the disability sport. So I think it's going to be great that money goes to them. Taking his man on clock, does really well as well to do so. Now he's on. 
to take on Buchanan, keeping the ball. Lovely ball into Konza to the touchline. Konza reverse. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ball back to Forster Cascade. And there's the third. And it's game over and three points for Cholin. So there we go, that's Tom Rubichaud from the club talking to Simon Webster uh, about the anniversary kit and of course the 25th anniversary of the return to the Valley which is coming up. The game against Portsmouth on the December the 9th uh, will be designated as the anniversary uh, game. It's uh, 25 years since the return to the Valley, 25 years of the Cholton Athletic Community Trust of course and the club is donating 25% of home ticket revenue from the Portsmouth game uh, along with 25% of match day programme sales to charity uh, on that day which is a nice touch. Now obviously we'll talk about the the game coming out and the dinner sold out now uh, mm. so you can't get tickets for that. I think you can still apply to win them through the competition uh, if you look on the club and trust websites but uh, the the anniversary coming up and the, the game itself at 25% going to charity I think um, I imagine you know, people perhaps who haven't been coming recently have some of them will be coming back uh, to celebrate will be a, you know, a special day before all of our time but you know, anyone who who knows the club knows it's a special day that's coming up. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a big, big day, and like Webbo said, this um, it's good. Uh, that obviously, I think, well, I assume the league has helped us out, giving us the fixture. It's a pure coincidence. But... It's a, surely they helped us. Exactly. It, must, it must have been a request. <laughs> it must have been a request. It's, it's not official. But it must have been. Surely. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, it's just really, um, yeah, it's a massive coincidence. But yeah, it's going to be a big day, and um, obviously, at the time, I was only a toddler, so I wasn't. Um, even though people think I'm older, I'm not. Well, you're not in the mid-30s, But no, it's going to be a good day. I look, I'm looking forward to the the, the dinner. Uh, be a load of legends there. I don't know if Walshie will be there. I'm pretty sure he will be, I'd imagine. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a, it'll be a good day. And if anything, a 25% going into the trust, um, any sort of money is a massive boost for him because of the amount of stuff that they do. Um, obviously, we've done the Upbeat Sport last year and it was a good day. And obviously, the more funding they get, the more projects that we can probably help them do. So... Um, and it will keep our reputation up with being a, a fantastic yeah. community club. It's funny, isn't it, Lewis? Really, like as I said, like we, we're too young to, uh, to to have been around uh, when, when that happens. But yeah. it, as a Charlton fan, it's ingrained within you. You know, you, you've learned about that story. And you know about it, don't you? Exactly. I mean, you've only, you've only got to hear Valley Floyd Road, haven't you, to sort of learn about it and, and the day. And we've obviously got the the banners up where I sit in the north stand with with the minute you know that Colin Walsh scored and everything. So. Yeah, it's massive. I'm really looking forward to it. Actually, you know, although I wasn't 
and I'm not young enough, well, not old enough, sorry, to remember it. Um, it obviously means a lot to a lot of people at the club. So it'll be nice. Hopefully, lots of people come back and celebrate the day, and then I'm sure the dinner the next day is going to be uh, pretty special as well. Excellent stuff. Right, uh, let's get back on the emails after yesterday's defeat up at uh, Scunthorpe. Uh, the first one, as per always, comes in from uh, Chris Davin. Thanks for your email, Chris. He says, oh, well, the run has come uh, to an end. Two weldies done for us up at Scunny. Pressure's on for Tuesday now. We can't afford to ch- drop any points uh, against the posh. It's a sad state of affairs that we look at Scunthorpe as our peers, how the mighty have fallen. Mr. Robinson said there was no more that we could do. Think maybe our scoring may have been an option. <laughs> Uh, uh, we are in desperate need of a striker what's going on with Leon Best we either want him or we don't simple as that all this stalling nonsense is completely silly Uh, there's a reason why no one else wanted Ben Reeves he's crocked he can't play more than 45 minutes without breaking down he's the David Hay of uh, of football so a couple I mean he picks up on the Leon Best thing we chatted about it briefly still but I mean I've laid forward my theories for why he may not have signed Jim (coughs) I mean, do you guys, which one do you think it is? Do you think it's Roland being stingy, mm-hmm. Leon Best wanting too much money, or any, anything I've, else? I, th- I think it's terms of length of contract. I reckon that we're probably offering him till the end of the season, and I think he's probably looking for a bit more security in possibly a, a year, 18 months or something. Um, and if that is the case, then I can imagine the club saying, well, no, because I don't think he's going to be on a pittance of a wage, but I don't think he'll be the highest earner. Um, but I mean, at Leon Best's age, he's been out of football for a while. He, if he's only here for another six months, he doesn't know whether he's going to be in the same same situation in six months' time. So I, I think it will be more down to length of contract. But um, I don't think he could come in here and start demanding certain wages. <laughs> to be honest, cause, come on, he's not messy and getting five hundred grand a week, is he? So, but um, yeah, I think it's that. But I, you know, like, I'm not in the know. I could be wrong, but um, I'd imagine it'd be something like that because it just seems like it's it must be something small like that because. Mm. He's there. He's been training with us. I don't think he'll have a whole list of clubs after him. If I... I mean, when, when Carl said on Tuesday evening, when I asked him about Leon Best, he, he said, "Oh, you know, maybe we'll look, we'll look to the youth team and we'll mm. see if there's ever stuff we can do first. I mean, do you think that's mind games with Leon Best? Was it might, or has he been mm. told that by Ronan? You can't you can't make that signing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know really. Um, I mean, it, I'd like to think maybe it's just sort of mind games to Leon Best and. That was my initial reaction when I heard that maybe Leon Best wanted too much money and that's what he's trying to say. Yeah, we'll, he's we'll saying, go elsewhere. We, go but, here, I mean, yeah. we have got used to almost forgotten the fact that Roland has given us this small squad and we didn't get that other striker that we wanted in the summer. So it could it could be that again, could it be? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I I do agree with Nath. I think it is it is to do with with contracts and everything. I imagine we don't want to commit too much to him because he has been out of football a long time and he, he does seem to be a little bit injury prone. So maybe we don't want to you know chuck a load of money at him and then him be injured then come January we can't afford to get someone in mm. um, but who, who knows I'd, li- I'd like to think we would get the deal over the line but you, know, you don't want to pay mm. over the odds for somebody Dan Farmer uh, evening Dan says hi guys we were unlucky yesterday two great goals by Scunthorpe that were unstoppable but we did have some great chances in the first half which again like other games we needed to take uh, one defeat in 10 ain't bad is it so let's not all go into meltdown and move on to a tough game on Tuesday which we need to win let's address the real problem that is our shocking bench if we lose Konza in January then we're weaker again and uh, will the board uh, buy in January not likely going by other transfer windows so if the squad is not strengthened then my guess will be that we'll miss out on the top two and maybe even the playoffs I hope that we are wrong now I mean I say I mean if you look at other transfer windows and I think 
pretty much every transfer window this season we've been left thinking oh we're a bit short as mm-hmm. not this season sorry over, over the last few years under Duchesne we have been left thinking we're a bit short now Terry, like I say, Terry said it the other week this will be a big one mm. to see you know if they are really serious but even in the summer you know Robinson made some good signings but at the end of it yeah. we're saying we're a bit short so I mean they need to prove themselves this you know, with all the rumours of a takeover as well that may or may not be stalling, or, or who knows? I mean, will they be that worried about whether we need to get promoted? It would only mm. add running costs for Roland, possibly, if we go up anyway. So, yeah. would he care? I mean, I mean, yeah, it's difficult because I think we're, I mean, if, uh, including Leon Best, if we, if we did get Best, I still think we need another three um, in January. Mm. Um, okay. And I don't think that's being greedy. I think that's defensive mid winger and another striker, something different, like a Matt Godden or something. But. I mean, it's difficult because in January, if 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 they're going to be willing to spend, like you say about the takeover or the taker, because that's going to play into effect of, I know what they're going to spend. Do they like what we're spending? Da 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 da. But yeah, I think, like you said, t- this window is going to be huge for us. But not only in terms of people coming in, but people going out. If mm. if if Konza goes out, why? If you're sitting fourth, fifth, sixth in the league, why are you going to weaken your squad? You should never weaken your squad when you're sitting fourth in the league, which I don't... If we get if we sell Konza and don't replace him, I think we're crazy. Yeah. Unless we get him a loan back. I yeah. think we'd be I think suicide. if we sell Konza, we've got to loan him back. That's got yeah. to be part of it. But are we, are we that savvy to put that in the in the deal? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Saunders, evening chaps. He says, gutted we could not get all three points yesterday at Glanford Park. Uh, I think it was a big game as two promotion contenders were battling out and I would have taken a point yesterday. Unfortunately, great saves from their keeper and two incredible goals from Josh Morris who came on at half-time saw us lose the game when from the sounds of things we could have edged it. My main attitude to this is brush it off. Make clear to the team that we got outdone by some sublime technique from a very good player. It wasn't our day. We need to stay positive, stay upbeat and push on. I think we are actually underdogs in some respects, not in history and stature, but because our squad is rather thin compared to many others around us and as a result, only a good attitude and the incubation of positivity is going to see us over the line. We march on again to Tuesday uh, against Peterborough. Coming your that's from Freddie, the local Palace fan. He put that himself in brackets. So mm-hmm. I didn't have to call him that. I would have called him that if he hadn't put it in brackets. But uh, I mean, agree with Freddie. Just brush it off. Move on. Be positive. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Go, like we said earlier, you know, Tuesday, big game. If we can win that, it takes us right back up there. Mm. All right, this one's from uh, Bob Knight. It's the first of two, actually. I've got one he sent during the week on Thursday, which I wanted, I wanted to pick up as well. Bob Knight says, Having watched the game yesterday, I can't agree that the first goal was a wonder strike. The way the wall was lined up, the striker could have gone around either side. What was Marshall doing? He hadn't joined the wall, but left a gap to show the guy where to hit it. Uh, we were the better side for most of the game until we hit the final third. The crossing failed to clear the first defender, and while McGuinness works hard, he is not a finisher as Northern Ireland know by playing him wide, and he has cost us a lot of potential points this season. We're crying out for a goal scorer, or we need to give Josh support by playing another centre forward nearer to him. I fear that come the new year, when we have a fire sale of our better players, we'll be set for another mediocre season. I mean, I mean, Coles, I mean, you're talking about having another striker to push up a bit and play nearer to. To, to Josh McGuinness but Carl's very rigid in his formation in terms of the the four two three one. He likes to play with the way he does play, but at the same time, that does mean that those three attacking midfielders do get into the area, and we do we have seen that with the amount of goals we've seen from Reeves, you know, uh, Marshall, Fosu, and, and Holmes so far this season. Would you do you think that Carl would be tempted to try pushing someone else up alongside um, him? I think if you if you're losing a game, you probably will, but I don't think you'd start with it because I, I think the, the way we're set up at the moment is really good. I yeah, think the so three I behind will be very fluid. I think what happens is when you have two when you have two people up top, you're easier to mark. 
you've got two centre halves and they'll just stick on the two. Whereas if you've got all the fluid players behind you, the defenders know where, don't know whether they're coming or going. So I like that formation. So now I'd play the same one, even if yeah. I was a manager myself. Yeah, I, like yeah, I think we, I think we'd suit it. Um, I think four-four-two, well. it will work. I mean, in terms that you give your centre backs the centre backs something to think about, but then you could get over flooded in the midfield. So it's it's all. It's all a big. It's all a big to me. It's a grey area. You've got pros and cons on both, but mm. I can't see Robbo diverging from it unless we were chasing a game, maybe, and had to go proper direct yeah. and had to go long ball. You know, Leon Best and McGuinness up front. You wouldn't be happy with that if you were sending off, would you? <laughs> <laughs> now, Bob Knight uh, also emailed us on Thursday. We didn't really have time to get to emails on Thursday night's show because it was a busy one. But um, this was about the concert transfer. Myself and uh, Mark, who was in on on the Thursday, we were talking about. Uh, Esri Konzo, and there's some quotes that came out from the City Addicts meeting a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where Carl had suggested that you know if he was Konzo, he might he might want to move on and, and go to a big club, and a, a five million uh, price band was, was was sort of mentioned, and all this and that. So uh, Bob Knight said, guys, I have to take issue with the Konzo transfer leak. Uh, Carl was quoted saying exactly the same, i.e., the five million transfer in January, uh, about a month before meeting uh, the, the meeting, uh, and nobody questioned it then. It looked as Carl was uh, trying to make sure he's got some money to spend. Now we're saying he hasn't spoken to Roland uh, since pre-season, which he said the other day. Uh, and my feeling is there will be no new striker in January. So the squad, like Standard Liège, will be asset stripped before being sold. Sorry for all the doom and gloom. Now, I mean, Standard Liège did uh, lose a lot of players before Roland sold him, uh, sold them for you know a few years ago. And I mean, is that a worry that might happen to us if Roland is looking at selling? Do you, do you worry that could happen? Asset stripping? It, yeah, it, it could do. But then if you asset strips, it reduces the value of the company or the business. So I don't. I, I mean. I mean, if you if you if you agree a value of say fifty million, and 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 part of those assets are those players, but then all of a sudden you sell all those assets, it's not going to be worth the same amount. So the, they're not going to come and say, yeah, we'll still pay fifty million, even though you you've got eight less players. It's, it won't yeah. work like that. Well, if you but, buy if you buy a house and it's full of furniture, yeah. and you agree to buy all the furniture, and then they take the sofa away. Human, human. That's good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> No more sofas. We've got enough sofas under the red shirt. No more. Yeah, that's how that's we got. Yeah, that's how we got. That's where Sebo on the same thing says uh, Carl's already mentioned that he would be keen to get Esri back on loan if we saw. I mean, mm. that's something we hear a lot from, uh, not necessarily from managers and stuff, but I'm sure I'm sure people have said that. Oh, if we get rid of Lookman, let's try and get him back on loan, and and, and it never happens. I mean, it never seems to happen for us. It does it has happened at clubs? I think you mentioned. Mm. Deli Ali and like I say, I mean, when Zaha was sold from Palace, I always remember that one because they got him back, and that seemed like a cheating. Which uh, <laughs> I'm just yeah. accusing of a cheating. <laughs> yeah, uh, nice. yeah, right. We had another email from uh, Peter Beerling uh, on first. They said, "I've noticed on several Charlton social media sites recently, contributors bemoaning a lack of bums on seats at recent home games." Now, of course, um, you know, we're talking about the Rochdale game here on Tuesday mm. night. It's eight thousand eight hundred or something. Which I, mm. I was so I mean. So shocked to see the crowd announce that low because mm. it's the lowest I can remember it being announced, and that is we're almost exactly back to the crowd we were at yeah. 25 years ago when we first came back to the valley. So we've almost almost gone backwards. Full in, circle, yeah, in 25 years. That's a shame. Uh, it says uh, going to football is habit forming. This is Peter's email. Uh, the problem comes when you fall out of love with our club, and the pain is too great for you and those with whom you are going to the matches with. You break the habit of going every game or every week, and very quickly find other things to do which are less heartache than watching a poor team, and in many cases less. <laughs> expensive people aren't going to drop everything just because the team is slightly less underfunded than Dross and the young kids we've had to put up with for years they first need to be sure that the cause of their pain has been removed uh, so when those that are having second thoughts about the merits of our hapless senior management team when a rumour takeover is being mentioned should remember not 
not only has their lack of ambition continued to damage the team, but they've thrown away all that support that was built up over the years of hard work by the original and genuine target 10k uh, following our return to the Valley, a crime that should and will never be forgiven. That's Peter Beerling uh, from Endsworth Addict. So, uh, yeah, uh, good point there by Peter. Uh, and, and you do feel in some cases... Um, the only way the crowds are going to come back is if uh, there's a takeover, and I think that will renew some of the uh, uh, vigour amongst the uh, the fan base. Right, uh, just before the show started, about an hour before the show started, uh, Paul Breen uh, is an author and a Charlton fan. He came into the studio uh, to have a chat with me. Uh, I'll explain this all pretty much in the intro to the interview as well, but it's to discuss about uh, ideas for Xmas presents, uh, Christmas presents uh, for Charlton fans. Obviously, Christmas is coming up. Right, so obviously Christmas is around the corner, and uh, here joining us now in the Charlton Live studio with uh, some advice on perhaps some uh, potential Christmas gifts for uh, for Charlton fans, some potential books, uh, is an author and Charlton fan, Paul uh, Breen. Good uh, good evening, Paul. How are you doing? Yeah, Louis, yeah, everything's great. Yeah. Uh, just back from uh, Ireland, and uh, unfortunately I missed yesterday's game, but judging by the, the <laughs> result, maybe I didn't miss too much, but looking yeah. forward to the Portsmouth game. And, yeah. A week's time. Yeah, excellent. The uh, the anniversary game, of course, coming up. Now, uh, as people may well have just noticed, there you are Irish yourself, and it's quite an interesting story as to how you actually uh, became a Charlton fan because you, you only moved to only sort of started coming over to England in, in two thousand and six. Yeah, I came to work in the University of Greenwich in two thousand and six, and then uh, I came back the next summer for a, a more permanent job, and then I moved to Charlton. And uh, like many people from. From Ireland, I, I supported Liverpool at that time, actually. But you know, <laughs> you've once, seen the lights since then. Yeah, yeah. Once once I moved here, I sort of then thought, well, it's a bit weird following a team, you know, a couple of hundred miles away when there's one down at the bottom of the road from from where I live. So I started going to Charlton games, and then um, I often thought of myself actually as the the jinx because I started following the club just as the slide kind of began <laughs> from the the Premiership years right down to uh, that. Uh, bad season in, in League One when I think we finished 13th or 14th but so Testament to yourself then that you've managed to stick with Charlton for, despite the fact that you've only really known disappointment I guess Yeah well up until up until the 2011 to 12 season I think that was <laughs> the case but um, no I think right from the start I just got this feeling that it was very much a, a family club and a community club and started to make friends and uh, you know got used to going to the games and loved the atmosphere and you know I Winning's not everything, so it's, it's nice when you do win, but I just uh, really got into the atmosphere and the whole ritual of going to the match. And I think winning's not everything is a slogan, as Charlton fans like to live by, of course. Um, now, and also, you said, you're telling me just off air that you met your wife through uh, a Charlton connection as well. Yeah, I mean, she worked for the University of Greenwich, well, she still works for the University of Greenwich, and uh, I met her up at uh, Sparrows Lane on, in the Avery Hill campus um, and that was a couple of years after I, I moved to Charlton um, one of the unfortunate things actually about uh, six months into the relationship I discovered that uh, she had a terrible family secret uh, her, her brother and uh, her father were sort of soft Millwall fans but they also <laughs> go and watch Charlton so you know yeah. fathers from a different generation I think there's a lot of older fans like this where they just went to see football yeah. week about at Charlton and Millwall so yeah. well I think if, if we're talking family secrets I mean everyone calls me a Palace fan wrongly but I've got family family who support Millwall family who support Palace so it's just something you get used to uh, in South London now the reason you are here is of course um, 
uh, like, like we said at the start, Christmas is coming up, and you wanted to sort of make some suggestions for for uh, books that, that Charlton fans could could receive as gift, or perhaps give as gifts to other uh, other supporters. Now, of course, we could start with you, with your own. T- uh, you've got two books that are related to Charlton, of course, um, the, the Charlton Men uh, and the Bones of, of a Season. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those two books first? Yeah, the uh, Charlton Men. It actually started out um, just as a bit of hobby writing in the beginning, and it, it was. Uh, biographical at that stage, you know the the story of uh, being a Charlton fan and coming over from Ireland and then uh, getting so attached to the club, I'd say almost getting addicted to the club. Um, but then I sent that that idea off to the publisher, and the publisher reckoned I should turn it into a work of fiction. So that's kind of of how it uh, it evolved and and developed. So it's actually the story of two guys who are settling down in London uh, around the the start of the 2011 to 12 season. Um, one of them, though, as I said, it's not biographical, but one of them is Irish like me. He's actually coming back to, or he's, he has moved over to London um, after a spell in prison um, because of a, a, a joyriding incident when he was young. So, yeah. And uh, he's trying to make a fresh start. And at that stage, you know, he, he's not a Charlton fan. And the other guy, or the other main character in the story, um, is called Lance. And. He's returning from uh, serving in Afghanistan where he, he got injured. Mm. And the thing that sustained him through all of his experiences was actually being a Charlton fan. And, you know, he's got a Charlton tattoo. He's been a lifelong supporter. So he uh, manages to uh, convert Fergus, the Irishman, to becoming a Charlton fan as well. So basically the, the book follows the story of their friendship as it develops. And that happens to be the same season when... Uh, Chris Powell builds the the new team and you know the promotion bid is is in there as well but it's a combination of um, football and various events in these two guys lives and there's also a thriller element in there and a romantic element in as well because a a woman comes along and comes between them and uh, so it's quite a fast-paced story and then I, I, I guess in a way, for you, you're saying there, it's, it's about football and what else what happens in their lives. But for a lot of supporters, anyway, football is such an intricate part of their lives that they do experience, you know, the, the, the rest of their lives almost through football. Like so they'll move, they'll move events around so they can go to games. They'll meet people who they end up having relationships with or becoming best friends with through games as well. So I guess it's, it's very much it, it, it could be something that a lot of fans will, will see in themselves when they read that book. Yeah, I would hope so. And and you know, I have got very good feedback from from supporters. You know, because it. It is very much about how, in the case of the the Irish supporter, for example, a bit like my own experience, he comes over here, you know, he's not a fan of Charlton before, he begins to get attracted to this whole um, idea of going to games and then he he loves the experience and so on. So, you know, I find myself now, I mean, uh, my year is is basically built around the the fixture list. When the fixtures are are released in in June, that's how I plan the the, the various events, what I'm going to do for my birthday, what I'm going to do for my wedding anniversary, (laughs) um, various things. Of course, when I say what I'm going to do for my wedding anniversary, that means I build a weekend break or something, you know, around the the game and uh, let the wife go shopping. You know, (laughs) but but football, it, it it really is such a um, a crucial part of of people's lives, and you know, not just in in the sense of of going to the games. I think it it, it is the whole um, atmosphere of of friendship and relationships that you build up around that, and just getting to know people, not just from from Charlton and from London, but I've I've met lots of people from different parts of the country, and 
then as well it gives you an opportunity when I go to away games I can meet up with old friends or people that are living in, in certain places as well Excellent, now your, your second book the, the Bones of a Season as well, do you want to tell us about that one? Yeah, that was a, a, a sequel and um, actually one of the main originally the idea was to write a trilogy of, of books um, and you know now I have written two but the Charlton Men was released in 2014 and then The Bones of a Season was released in October 2016 and um, one of the the main motivational factors I think in, in releasing that was the amount of people who said well you know you promised us a trilogy you've, you've got to give us a, a second book um, but I still get people who tell me that they're waiting until the whole trilogy is written until they buy them buy them <laughs> all as a collection um, but at this stage I think I, I'm, I'm not planning right now on writing the, the, the third book uh, in as, as fast a, a turnaround as the first two um, the Bones of a Season is set in the year after the uh, promotion from uh, League One under Chris Powell, and it's much more of a of a crime novel. It's it's very different. I think people have said that it's quite a different style because the first one is maybe a bit more literary, but mm. the second one is actually very much you know an old fashioned uh, tale of. Um, I don't want to give too much of the plot away, but basically it looks into Lance's family background, which does I- involve a bit of uh, gangsterism and um, lots of things that I found out from doing research with, you know, actual... Maybe I shouldn't say this on the radio, but uh, <laughs> pe- people who know things about how the, the, the gangster <laughs> era was played out in London. So it's a very different book. Um, and people who have read it said that, you know, they've enjoyed it a lot. And... Um, I mean, both books are the kind of, of works that you know anyone can read. It's not just they're not just books for people who like football because non-fans have read them as well and been very pleasantly surprised. And I think the second one in particular, The Bones of a Season, is one that you can read it in isolation, and I think you can really enjoy that because um, I'm quite surprised. I thought the football description in the first one was very good, but the second one um, has got even more positive feedback about the description of the games. Yeah. Um, and actually, what that does as well is it looks back over uh, significant events in Charlton's history and uh, the character Lance, because in the in the first book it was very much focused on you know a couple of seminal events like uh, going back to the valley and then. Um, you know his experiences of following Charlton in Afghanistan and how you know that that uh, love of the club got him through the, the the problems that he faced. But in the second one, I go back and look at a whole range of things, and especially the um, playoff game against Sunderland. Yeah, and I actually sent a copy off to uh, Sasa Illich. All oh, right, because okay. the, the game is described in great detail. Yeah, and. Uh, Sasha, he never got back to me though. He 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 suggested that I should write his uh, his biography. <laughs> Slightly um, different style of writing, I think, yeah. writing someone's biography and writing well, fiction. That'd, that'd be an interesting task to take on, though, I'm sure. Now, where where can Charlton fans get their hands on on your two books? Uh, they can get them from Amazon, or they can get them from the publishers. Um, I would say Amazon is probably the easiest the easiest uh, way of of getting the books. Um, they can also contact me. Uh, either on Twitter, I'm on Twitter at uh, the very simple ID at Charlton Men, or um, if anyone comes to the Supporters Trust stall in the period up to, to Christmas, I should have a few books there as well. But I think Amazon or contact me directly on Twitter is probably the the easiest way to get the books. Excellent. Now you were gonna give me a list as well of other books that the Charlton fans may enjoy as Christmas presents. Have you got got that to hand? 
Yeah, and um, I'm only going to talk about books that have a, a, a solid Charlton connection um, and not books by authors who happen to be Charlton supporters. Yeah. Um, because if I started to talk about those books, you know, we could actually be here until until <laughs> after Christmas. Because <laughs> I know there are a lot of um, Charlton fans who have written books in, in different genres and so on. But really, for the purposes of this interview, I'm just going to look at, you know, some of the the main books that might make good Christmas gifts for Charlton fans. Um, I think the one that I'm going to start with is obviously Rick Everett's Battle for the Valley, which is very appropriate at this time. Um, yeah, the 25th anniversary coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, this first appeared back in the 1990s and then was updated in 2014. And I didn't actually read this book until after I had written the Charlton Man, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't, because then I, I might have found myself feeling that. Uh, you know, I, I was trying to, to compete against the <laughs> excellent job that, that Rick does in, in describing that whole that whole battle to, to get back to the valley because in my book I only cover it over a few pages. Yeah. But I mean Rick actually does this in, you know, three hundred and twenty pages I think and you know, it's it's a great account of the um the history of that time period and again it is it is more than just a story about coming back to the the valley because it also goes into the the history of of Charlton athletics so it's not confined to one period and even it's a bit, bit of an education for fans of perhaps my age and a bit younger who obviously weren't around at that time as well and perhaps didn't realize the the fight that the fans had to go through at that time yeah I mean I I definitely think that you know out of all the factual books that have been written about Charlton I think this is one that people will be reading you know decades from now because it does capture what I think for everyone was you know the most important uh, moment in the you know in the recent the yeah. recent history of the club um, and even you know I did a recent article for Voice of the Valley where I interviewed some young fans about the significance of that and even people who weren't born in 1992 still still have that that sense of how important it was so yeah. I would definitely recommend recommend this and maybe even especially for those younger fans that weren't around at the time or yeah people like me who who weren't here at the time as I was in in Ireland. Excellent, what's up next? Uh, Then we have a couple of books by David Ramsen Um, one of those is Charlton Athletic, A Pictorial History and then there is Charlton Athletic, A History. Now David uh, kind of combines art and text because he, he, he by his own admission, I think he, he sees himself maybe as more of an artist than what we would see as a conventional author. Mm. So his work is, is very visual. And, um, you know, I bought the, the pictorial history for my father-in-law a couple of years ago. Um, it was published in 2013, and I got him that for Christmas, and, you know, he was very impressed with it. And, again, there's, there's a lot of, of images and, uh, you know, memorabilia that David has put in there that makes it a book that's very much suitable for people I think who are interested in looking up um, history and you know seeing actual pictures of of events from the the history of the club Um, though again his other book Charlton Athletic History I think that's about 200 pages or so and that tells the story of the club from when it was formed up uh, from 1905 onwards Um, so yeah I mean there's a lot of of books about the history of Charlton Athletic. One that I think maybe I either bought 
this myself or somebody got it for me as a, as a gift was the uh, Essential History of Charlton Athletic by Paul Clayton. Yep. And again, that's a hardcover book that was published in 2001. And that includes a foreword by Derek Hales. And um, that's actually talking about uh, Charlton biographies or autobiographies. I mean, that would be an interesting one, I think, if yeah, it was yeah. ever written. Um, oh, can I can imagine. Yeah, because <laughs> I've heard stories about Killer Hales. <laughs> yeah, because actually, in, in another interview, I'm not sure who it was with. Um, I actually said that uh, one of the one of the first Charlton books that I had read was uh, Derek Hale's autobiography. But of course, it was actually talking about uh, Keith Peacock's book, yeah. No Substitute. And again, I think that's that's another one that you know would be of interest to anyone who's who's interested in the history of the club and that's that was published in 2004 by the the club and it's the story of Keith who I think as older fans will know was the uh, league's first ever substitute in in mm. the 1960s um so again I would I would recommend at least one of those books I think for anyone who's who's interested in in history excellent well Paul brilliant thank you for, for coming in and uh, giving uh, us some ideas Charlton fans who are stumped perhaps what uh, what to give out as gifts this Christmas there's a few uh, books that you could give to uh, to fellow Charlton fans which I'm sure they enjoy Paul thanks for, for joining us this evening chip ball looking for the run of Fossu who's onside Fossu edge of the penalty area can he get a shot away he can and it's the opening goal Tariq Fossu sprung the offside trap gets his second goal of the season and Charlton's first of the evening and they're 1-0 up here at the Banksy Stadium Fat enough all beliefs were stupid enough to, to take it that's my wife's words that by the way <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio thanks very much to uh, author and Charlton fan Paul Breen there who's given us some ideas for uh, books that Alex fans could uh, buy for fellow Alex fans for, for Christmas uh, including his own uh, two of course the Charlton men and the bones of a season so thanks very much like I say to, to Paul for that interview just a couple of uh, bits that have come in uh, while we're listening to that Red Chaser said Konza going in January would be a big blow but a centre back we should have Pierce and Lennon available again albeit not as cultured uh, the money from Konza could be crucial in any other incomings loan or otherwise but I mean you know we've seen when Lookman went last year I mean how much of that money did we get immediately to spend on players and you know that's, that's a big question isn't it yeah, exactly. So, and that's the, I don't think we're guaranteed any money if we do sell her Konza, but um, unless Robbo's been told by the board that if we do sell Konza, then he'll get some of it, or um, we don't know. But yeah, I th- even though we are we we are blessed in centre back at the moment, I still I still think we weaken our squad. Um, which I don't think we should do if we're definitely in the top six. Hmm. Right, uh, yesterday was the 250th appearance for the club by one Chris Solly. Signed, uh, well, he joined the club when he was 11 years old, uh, Chris Solly. That was 15 years ago now. Incredible to think, really. Uh, made 250 appearances uh, in that time. He's, uh, you know, done everything here from ball boy up to up to club captain now, of course. Um, uh, we, we're going to, you're going to hear from him in the uh, South London Press tomorrow. We did an interview with him after the game yesterday, so... 
if you look out for that on the South London Press website, you can hear what what Chris uh, Chris Ollie's thoughts on on uh, uh, his time at the club thus far. But uh, you know, as fans, when when a, when a player like Chris Solly reaches such a a, a landmark as two hundred and fifty appearances, it's something you want to celebrate. And you look back at his career. Now, I was looking back to his debut, and uh, this shows you how long he's been here. His debut was made on uh, uh, in, on the third of May two thousand and nine. Our last game of the season, we got relegated from the championship when we beat uh, Norwich by four goals to two and dragged them down uh, mm-hmm. with us. He came on as a fourteenth minute substitute for a D Ward. I don't know who that is. Uh, Darren, Ward. Darren Ward. I can't remember yeah. him at all. Oh, the blonde geezer. Yeah, he, he was a centre back. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. I mean, clearly, clearly a, a fellow Charlton legend because I literally can't remember who he is and he played in our <laughs> relegation season. But that was Chris Holly's <laughs> debut. Uh, I mean, and uh, what a player he's he's grown to be, Mister Dependable in that right back slot, isn't it? I mean. Uh, you, you're surprised. I mean, it's a surprise that he's still here in some cases. If you think where he was five, you know, four or five years ago, we would certainly be snapped up by, you know, a club in, in the league above at the very at the very minimum, you know, a Premier League club. But he never did. But I mean, what stalwart he's been, and and, and you never get anything less than a hundred percent effort from him. And like I say, he's really reliable as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I always look back to when we had that promotion campaign, and we were looking across the squad and thinking. Right, we've got we've got all these new people in. Well, who have we got a right back? Uh, Chris Solly, and I remember people being a bit, a bit sort of worried about that and thinking, oh, is he going to be good enough? And that season, he really came to life. I think he won. He did win Player of the Year that year. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think, think he did. He's won it twice. He won it twice in a row, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, and he's just yeah. You know, ever since that season, he's been Mister Consistent and Mister Dependable. Um, I know he's had some injury issues, and maybe we've had to sort of look after him a little bit with his knee and everything like that, but. Like you say, and a complete stalwart, and he's been he's been brilliant. And now he's now he's the captain. Um, it does, like you say, it makes you realise how long he really has been here. Because I remember him being that vulnerable youngster mm. right back that we weren't too sure about. And now you look at him, and he's the probably the first yeah. name on the team. Sheet. And if you think of the the season he came of age, like you say, was that season that we got promoted with 101 points from League One? Because before they displayed a handful of games in in, in the couple of seasons after. He made his debut, and to, to, to make your name in a, in, in a team where you know you get 101 points, you score you score a lot of goals. There's a lot of big name players in there to win Player of the Season that year. Just shows how uh, how impressive he was in that in that position, and, and it's not in a fashionable position as well. A fullback, who cares? But he's made it his own, and 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 it puts in performances week in week out. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever I've ever seen a, a game where he's got under a seven or an eight. I know it's that he probably rose tinted glasses, but I can't remember. There have probably been a couple of games where he's done you know, a few misplaced parts, but I've never seen him have a horrendous game. And he's mm. been skinned left, right and centre. I remember Powley come out after his 100th appearance, I think it was against Brighton, and Powley said that he was he was a Premier League defender and Powley used to think he was good at 1v1s, but he said that Chris Solly is so much better than him at, on a <laughs> 1v1. And to have that, you know, you must be pretty decent. But I think he's, like Lou said, he's consistent every week and... He is probably one of the first because you, you could just depend on him. It's just steady Eddie, not like Eddie Howes, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Scored uh, scored twice for Charlton. His first one uh, came in a three-one <clears throat> away win on a Friday night at Leighton Orient, which I remember. I was uh, yeah, I was on holiday, but the game was on Sky, and I was watching it in a a bar in uh, Iron Apple. I was the only one. I was the only one watching the game, and uh, I also remember spraying cocktail out my mouth when he scored his goal because I didn't. Waggy had the ball in the corner. I thought he was just going to hold it in the corner, so I took a big swig of whatever drink I was drinking, uh, and then he cut inside, laid it off to Solly, touched home to relieve because we were down to ten men and hanging on, uh, and I had a mouthful of cocktail. And instead of 
swallowing and celebrating, I just decided to just spray it everywhere, all over the, the revelers. Uh, and of course, his other goal was that superb strike away at Blackpool, mm. uh, a 2-0 win. And I mean, anyone who's seen that goal won't forget it. It was an mm. unbelievable goal. Uh, the only re- like he, he, just had, he, he played at left-back for quite a stint, actually, in that season. Mm. And that was the reason why he was over on that, on that left-hand side, but hit the ball with the outside of his right boot and arrowed uh, into the top corner. Now, I did ask for you guys to let me know your favourite memories of, of Chris Solly's career. And Tony Brown said uh, that goal in particular scoring away at Blackpool and then the celebration that followed uh, when he, he went off running pretty much down the prom uh, ended up in Fleetwood uh, after his, uh, his celebration uh, and then Reese said uh, he's always been solid over the years no real standout moments being a right back that I can remember but he's always been a shift given 100% and can't ask for more we haven't had to worry about the right back position for years which is very nice and that's a very good point uh, I mean Chris Solly is one of the one of the Mr. Cholton especially one of the players that we needed I think is a a link between the fans and the players pretty much anyone we had one of the only ones we had left last season you think of like him and, and, and Jacko yeah. when, we, when we were getting relegated from the championship we needed we needed characters like that and that's why it's so uh, important right we have actually run out of time here on Charlton Live so we haven't got time to, to preview sat, uh, Tuesday evening's game against Peter it's a huge one so uh, if you can get down to the Valley make sure you come and uh, join all of us down here at the Valley as we, we face the posh but uh, Lewis Cat, thank you for joining me this evening no worries Louis thank you Nathan Muller thanks Cheers, for coming mate. in see you Tuesday I've been Louis Mendes this has been Charlton Live thanks for uh, all your tweets and your emails thanks to Simon Webster and Paul Breen who've been on the show this evening Carl Robinson for interviewing me uh, we hope you've enjoyed it let's hope the addicts can get back on track with three points here at the Valley on Tuesday against Peterborough we'll see you later Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.